What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, I got a bug from you, girl, and I don't need a cure. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And so, uh, you know, guys, have you ever been under the weather and had to go to the doctor? And as part of that doctor's visit, you were prescribed to take some antibiotics? Sure. Yes. And so uh, these antibiotics are meant to be medicine that makes us feel better and everything's cool and awesome. And so these I don't even know why we're doing an episode, really, uh, honestly. Oh, I mean, they're they're like Tic Tacs, right? You just yeah, give them to everyone yeah. and then it, for it's, everything. Oh, right. your foot right. hurts. How about some antibiotics? Exactly. Yeah. 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 You're no longer able to see the color red. Here's some antibiotics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, OK. So antibiotics are specific types of medication to fight off bacteria. So before we get into anything about antibiotics, I thought a quick refresher on what bacteria are would be in order, right? So bacteria, bacteria right? They're uh, they're germs. 
<laughs> dirt. That's uh, okay. Filthiness. <laughs> let's let's why don't we be a little more specific? <laughs> bacteria are microorganisms. Bacteria is the plural. A, a single bacteria would be a bacterium. Mm. Uh, so if you ever say like uh, if you're ever using it in the singular, you should be using bacterium instead of bacteria. Although most of the time you're not going to run into a singular bacterium. Uh, if you if you do run into a bacterium, the odds are in your favor. Because you uh, are much larger because <laughs> we're talking about single celled organisms, organisms that don't even have a nucleus. And when I say organism that I'm not talking about some form of plant life or or animal life, actually bacteria is its own classification. Right. Right. And in fact, are what we assume were the very first forms of life on our planet. And uh, there are a lot of different types of bacteria. So bacteria range from everything from a, a helpful bacteria that we have in our bodies. And by helpful, I mean either it's completely neutral, so it doesn't harm us, mm-hmm. or it actually does help us in some way. We have uh, uh, bacteria in our gut that help us break down complex sugars, for example. And that's mm. just one version, right? Uh, I think uh just by sheer number, your body cells are outnumbered by bacteria cells. Oh, right? yeah. If you, like inside your body. Yeah. I've there's got, more of them than there are of you. I've got some interesting uh, little <laughs> stats here. For example, uh, a single gram of soil typically contains about 40 million bacterial cells and a milliliter of fresh water. Just one milliliter has w- about one million of them. And scientists estimate that the bacterial population of the entire Earth is somewhere in the neighborhood of five nonillion bacteria. You made that number up. Uh, yeah, what, what's a nonillion? Okay, so I have to be more specific, actually. That's a great question, because nonillion means two different things depending upon which definition you're looking at. Now, <laughs> they're using the American definition, which means a uh, one, like if, if you're talking about one nonillion, it'd be a one followed by 30 zeros. If you're talking about the British definition, it would be a one followed by 54 zeros. So while a British nonillion is bigger than American nonillion, uh, I guess there's some weird, uh, uh, you know, uh, competition thing going on here. Yeah, We're yeah, talking everyone... about the American version. Oh, yeah. That distinction was actually made in the Declaration of Independence. Right. Like <laughs> We hereby <laughs> redefine nonillion. Like we, we're dropping 24 zeros yeah. from nonillion. Guys, it's the it's the 21st century. We all love Sherlock. Let's 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 solve this problem. Let's get it together. <laughs> well, I, I think it was one of those. It was like there were two main reasons for the American Revolution. There was the taxation without representation. And there are just way too many zeros in a nonillion. Right. So anyway, five nonillion bacteria on Earth. So it's a huge number. I mean, that's that's a lot of this stuff. They are the you know, they they dominate, really. It's just that they're dominating on a scale that's too small for us to see without the use of a microscope, because these things are just a few micrometers in size. Now, still a, a bacteria or bacterium, I should say, a bacterium will dwarf a virus. Viruses are on the nanoscale. They're even tinier. And there are big differences between bacteria and uh, and a virus. You have to take that into account. And that's important when we talk about antibiotics, because one of the problems with antibiotics is that sometimes uh, either through carelessness or an honest mistake or just lack of education, people will end up getting prescribed antibiotics to treat a viral infection, which don't work, y'all. Because antibiotics aren't designed to fight viruses. They're designed to fight bacteria. Uh, right. Depending on the kind of antibiotic that you're working with, it's going to be attacking a, a bacterium. I mean, a, a single bacterium in this case, although a whole group of them at the same time right. in, in one of a few different ways. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a couple of different major ways. So if you were to look at the Earth 
you would not find any place on the earth that is absent of bacteria apart from something that had been uh, specifically sterilized so that you're you're specifically killing all bacteria in that area because bacteria are really resilient right they they have you can find them like deep under the ocean in areas where uh, magma from the inside of the earth is starting to leak in and you'll find bacteria that exist through chemosynthesis in yeah. those areas they're really resilient they're actually bacteria that thrive in the hot springs of yellowstone so like this scalding water well yeah. sure i mean there are bacteria that can thrive in totally different environments from other bacteria oh sure I, yeah it's not as though you can probably drop the bacteria in your gut into a hot spring and expect it to survive but yeah no, it would it would probably be very upset uh, in its own bacterial way for a very short amount of time and then no longer be bacterial, like a little bacterial angel comes down and takes it off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, we also, by the way, use bacteria uh, in lots of ways to create certain types of food, things like yogurt or cheese or vinegar or pickles. So it's not like bacteria are all bad. You know, there are a lot of reasons why we want bacteria around. We depend upon them. In fact, the oxygen we're breathing, a lot of that was generated by bacteria billions of years ago. Mm -hmm. So they also help break down, um, break down potentially disease causing bits of decaying matter, which yep. is terrific. Right, right. And they also can take the place like helpful bacteria can actually physically take the place that harmful bacteria would otherwise occupy in your body. So it's essentially saying like the club is full. You're going to have to leave. You can't you can't come in. And the bad bacteria is like, oh, well, shucks. <laughs> and, well, meanwhile, the club is hopping with all the good bacteria. So that's what that's the way you want it to happen, which is one of the reasons, by the way, that you don't want to um, uh, overuse antibiotics, because eventually you will start clearing out the good bacteria along with the bad, which leaves room for bad bacteria to come in anyway. Mm -hmm. So we have the the good bacteria and then we have what we call pathogenic bacteria. Now, these are the bacteria that cause illnesses. And here's the thing. Uh, you can't just say that a bacteria is pathogenic or non-pathogenic. Those properties actually depend upon multiple variables, not just what type of bacteria and what type of host, but the condition of both the bacteria and the host at any given time. Uh, right. For example, the bacteria that cause something terrible like cholera aren't always going to cause cholera in a given person. So, yeah, it, it, you know, we're talking about how our bodies are essentially these kind of these kind of cauldrons of various types of bacteria. We have all these different populations living within us. They have a, a, a balance, right? It's kind of like the force. They're, they're balanced in our, our bodies. So when a host has a well-balanced uh, microbiota going on, then things are cool. But if something were to tip that balance one way or the other, then some bacteria that normally would either be neutral or even helpful to us can in turn become harmful. Opportunistic. Yeah. So and really, when you think about it, all bacteria are opt opportunistic, it's just a question of whether they're also pathogenic. But some bacteria are just just plain. You don't want to come into contact with them. Right they, yeah. You don't want to get an infection because it can lead to some really serious outcomes. Uh, right. For for example, I've, I've possibly talked a lot about um, Clostridium botulinum because I'm really obsessed with botulism. I mean, not having it personally, but I, I just think it's a really fascinating pathogen. Um, and, and, you know, these these critters as a byproduct create something that is toxic on the nanoscale to human people. Right. Which right. is, I mean, really cool in a science way, but but also completely terrifying. Right. And so some of the diseases you've probably heard about that are caused by bacteria include cholera, 
dysentery, pneumonia, typhoid, tuberculosis, and the plague. Good times. Yay. But but then, of course, there are viral diseases, too, right? The oh, flu sure. is a virus, for example. So flu is not bacteria-related. It's a virus. Uh, and then there's also smallpox and malaria, very serious diseases that are viral, not bacterial in nature. So it's important to make that distinction. Um, and, uh, again, with this, the fact that the pathogenic mechanism isn't fully understood by doctors right now, I mean, we don't always know exactly what it is, what the mechanism is for a bacterium to cause illness to a host. Oh, right. What what sets off specifically a colony of bacteria in an organism from toggling that dormancy and how virulent they are? Right, right. We don't have all the information on all of those factors. So it makes treating these diseases somewhat of an inexact science, which leads us to antibiotics. That's one of the big ways that we treat bacterial infections. And antibiotics, essentially, that's talking about medication that's designed to either limit bacterial growth in some way or to actually kill off bacteria. And so it's kind of a, you know, again, it's it's not a very precise way of going in and treating something. It's effective, at least at first, but it's not... Um, it's not something that's based upon a deep understanding of what's going on 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 the the bacteria level. Yeah, we don't want to demonize antibiotics in oh, this podcast not. since we're no. going to talk about the dangers and the need to move past them in some situations because antibiotics are kind of amazing. I mean, like they I don't... have done amazing things oh, for sure. humanity. There's a pretty there's a pretty good chance that the people in this room would not exist because our parents or grandparents would not have lived if uh, penicillin had not been uh, not not invented, but discovered, discovered sure. in 1928. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, Fleming, right? Uh, who discovered that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Alexander Fleming in 1928 discovered the antibacterial uh, effects of penicillin. Penicillin itself had been discovered about a century before, but no one understood really bacteria at that point. So there wasn't a real deep understanding of what was going on. Oh, right. They realized that this this fungi was creating this this byproduct that happened to make other stuff die around it. Yeah. But they didn't know why. Right. And it as, was, yeah. As it turns out, penicillin will prevent a bacterium from replenishing its own cell walls. It's it's like if you prevented uh, skin from regrowing right. around your body. And so eventually the, the bacterium will burst and die. Right, right. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, that's actually a, a fairly common technique for uh, the types of antibiotics that are des- designed to actually kill uh, bacteria. Those are, uh, uh, you know, called bactericidal bacteria. Uh, Antibiotics, And then you have the type that are meant to just slow down growth, which are bacteria static antibiotics. Uh, right. Those those might prevent bacteria from multiplying or uh, interfere with the formation of other subcellular structures. Right. So antibiotics uh, saved lives in the past, still saving lives today. Really useful. Sure. Um, is so uh, are they the answer? Is there nothing to worry about? Well, the the there are two problems here. One is that over time. No matter how you use antibiotics, some strains of bacteria start to develop resistance to those antibiotics. Uh, you know, growing sturdier cell walls in, in the case of those bacterial cytal. Right, right. They, or they might have some sort of, they'll start to generate some other form of chemical that will help fight off the antibiotics and thus keep them more safe from those kind of things. And they can actually spread this. Uh, across we, an entire population. Oh, sure, because they they survive and multiply. Right. So, and multiply so, really quickly. <laughs> exactly. So, in one hand, on one hand, you're 
eventually going to see bacteri- various strains of bacteria uh, develop resistance to different types of antibiotics over time, no matter what you do. However, if you poorly use antibiotics, as in you overuse or you are improperly taking the antibiotics, like you don't take an entire course of antibiotics when you are prescribed one, like maybe you start feeling better and you think, oh, well, I don't need to take any more medicine. So you stop. These sort of tech, these sort of behaviors lead to uh, bacteria gaining that resistance much more quickly and it's spreading much more across uh, multiple populations of bacteria, thus creating a larger problem for us as a whole, because now we've got strains of bacteria that we can't treat with the same antibiotics that we would have used maybe 10 years ago because they are naturally resistant to it. And so the more we use antibiotics poorly, the worse we make the problem. And and it's a serious problem. I mean, this isn't a, a case of, of a couple people getting sicker than they otherwise would. Uh, the CDC estimates that every year more than 23,000 people in the U.S. alone die as a result of infection by resistant bacteria. Right. And I mean, I mean there's <laughs> you really can't, you know, exaggerate how bad this problem could potentially become. So essentially, like, let's say that uh, I, I, you know, I was saying earlier, like I I was sick and then I started feeling better. So I stopped taking my antibiotics. I'm feeling pretty good. And I'm thinking, well, there's no need for me to keep taking this. It's a hassle. I'm feeling fine. Everything's good. The reason why your your course of antibiotics would uh, possibly extend further than the symptoms you're feeling is that those antibiotics are meant to try and kill off that population of bacteria as much as possible. And if you stop early, so, you know, you no longer are feeling the physical effects of being sick, but you've stopped before the bacteria uh, antibiotics course has run its course uh, to be a little repetitive, then that population, there may be some surviving members of it. And the, this is bacteria that has come into contact with that antibiotic and thus is more likely to form a resistance to that antibiotic in the future. So you're, you didn't, you didn't do the full job. You didn't kill off all the bad guys. And so the bad guys that are left are now stronger because they figured out what your, your method of attack is. And then when they start making more bad guys, they all have this feature, this resistance. So that's that's one issue. Another issue, of course, like we said before, is if you were prescribed antibiotics for something that wasn't a bacterial infection, had no infection related problems there, uh, then that could also end up creating problems where it creates an imbalance in your system, thus giving the opportunity for a bacterial infection to paradoxically attack you later, or it actually helps develop that resistance we were talking about, where the bacteria in your body uh, come into contact with this and start to develop that resistance. Meanwhile, you are still sick because a viral infection is totally different and isn't going to be affected by antibiotics. So it's a, it's like that's a double negative there, not in the grammatical sense, but in the <laughs> sense that two bad things are happening. You're not getting better and you're making your body more uh, susceptible to future infection and and ultimately possibly bringing other people into danger because the bacteria in your body that develop this resistance could eventually start spreading to other people. And then, yeah, they have a habit of not staying neatly in one place. Right. No, neat and bacteria are two things that rarely go together. So, yeah, this is a a big concern, and this isn't just something that we're concerned about. I mean, there are major organizations all around the world that are studying this and trying to come up with um, strategies to deal with it. And some of them get pretty scary, including the Center for Disease Control, which is located here in Atlanta, where we are. 
And uh, the CDC has identified a, a, a list, a big list of various types of bacterial strains that are demonstrating resistance to antibiotics that we should be concerned about. And they categorize them into different levels of concern. So you want to hear the top three? Okay. Okay. So there's different levels. Some of them are like serious or concerning. And this is on the urgent list. Yes, yeah. This is the top of the list, the, the most urgent. So urgent does not necessarily mean that these particular strains of bacteria are more deadly than another. It means that they may be more resistant to a larger array of antibiotics than other strains. Also, they may just be more prevalent. And a lot of these are prevalent in places you seriously do not want bacterial infections to go haywire like hospitals yeah. you know i mean you're talking about people who may be coming out of surgery and they're very susceptible to various types of of infection oh, right their immune system has already been uh compromised, compromised. yeah sure. yeah and you know if you've got any place where you're you're healing from something already you're you're probably more susceptible to more damage and you know you're around all these other people who are sick and people who could be accidentally transferring that sickness across an entire population within a hospital other places that you would expect to see the sort of stuff really it's pretty much anywhere where a lot of people are going to be gathered together for long periods of time particularly things like elder care facilities and again that's extra dangerous because the people in those facilities tend to not be in the best health already so it's a you know it's it's really a a, a an actual danger. So here are the three that they uh, identified. And I apologize ahead of time for the butchering of pronunciation I'm going to have for these various types of bacteria. So there's Clostridium difficile or CDF, which they, this is one of those that in healthcare facilities is a real problem. Um, it causes flu-like symptoms and also abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea, and other really unpleasant stuff. And it, it can be life-threatening. Uh, particularly if you're already trying to recover from something else. So that's a big one. Uh, then we have Enterobacteriaceae, which is actually a, a broad classification of different types of bacteria. And it includes some that are completely harmless to people. You know, it's just they, they belong to the classification, but they don't cause a pathogenic. pathogenic. Yeah. Uh, but then there are pathogenic ones and they're big ones like Salmonella or E. coli. Those can be really nasty. And then there's uh, Neisseria gonorrhea. So that's that's gonorrhea, sexually transmitted disease. Those are the three that have developed the most uh, the, the, the most numerous strains of an, uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria. Uh, in popular re reporting, you've probably heard about other uh, diseases, though, that come from antibiotic resistant sure. bacteria. Mm -hmm. One of the ones that is uh, most talked about is MRSA, right? Yeah, that's a methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureus. Yes. Yep. I said it. Yeah, you did it really well. First try. <laughs> well, uh, that's not that much of a victory because that is actually the name of a horrible antibiotic resistant bacteria that manifests most often in nature. If you, you get this in the wild, it's going to be a skin infection. Uh huh. Uh, but in the hospitals where a lot of these infections take place that can show up as bloodstream infections or something going wrong with a surgical incision, uh, it's really nasty stuff and it can be very dangerous. It can lead to, uh, to pneumonia, which is, which is again very, very serious for someone who, uh, is, is already in a compromised situation. Right, right. So we've got all the doom and gloom here, the, the scary, uh, world where we, the, the drugs we're using to treat the disease are making these diseases stronger. I mean, that's kind of the, the layman version of what we're talking about. 
But let's let's turn a page and take a look. What are some of our options for either coming up with alternate ways of uh, dealing with bacterial infections and bacterial populations or uh, to to kind of guide us in our use of antibiotics in a more um, strategic and controlled way? We need better strategery. We do need, yes, strategery is at an all-time low. We have to make that high. Yeah, we, well, we, we need to outsmart these brainless, single-celled organisms. Lauren, <laughs> what is the best strategery? Uh, um, some researchers are working on this, and it's, it's several years off yet. This is in relatively preliminary research, but they think that we can use something called uh, quorum sense inhibition. Okay, so a quorum is when you get enough bacteria there to hold a vote, right? Exactly. So if we can stop them from voting, we're okay. I think it kind of is like that. Actually, though. it kind of <laughs> is. I'm making a joke, but in a way, that's kind of what we're talking about. It turns out that bacteria can communicate with one another through through this quorum sensing thing, which means that they're producing and releasing these little bits of chemicals that are then absorbed by other bacteria and therefore across a colony and, and across colonies of different kinds of bacteria mm-hmm. can coordinate the way that they behave. That That is whether or not they decide to be dormant, whether or not they decide to be pathogenic. Right. They can, they can actually express genes this way. Right, right. It's so, so it, it's it's fascinating and kind of completely terrifying because we had never thought we we, we had classically thought that bacteria are just these completely senseless, brainless things that are right. just doing their thing individually. But it turns out that they work together really pretty effectively. Right. So if you end up having uh, one strain of bacteria start to develop a resistance, then at least there's the potential for that resistance to spread to entirely different populations of bacteria uh, through this kind of complex communication or or at the very least for um for a bacteria party to kind of form in in a place where it otherwise wouldn't have because someone kind of rings the dinner bell gotcha so one thing that we might be able to do is disrupt this communication in some way if we can figure out how to affect that communication then we might be able to prevent a dormant bacterial strain from going pathogenic within a host. Uh, right. By either preventing that communication by, by, by sending out false signals or by blocking the reception of those signals in other bacteria. Right. And as you were saying, this is very early in the research phase. We're talking about people doing doing uh, tests on cultures in a dish in a lab, right? Oh, yeah. And and they're still not sure how that how that's working in additional lab, let alone. I mean, we've got years of research yet to go before we're going to be able to introduce this into especially a human host and have any kind of predictability of how it's going to go. Right. So but it's it's a promising potential method that we might use to deal with uh, bacterial infections. But it is certainly one that would be in the future, not something that we're going to see happen within the, this year or something along those lines. Uh, in the more near term, there are some, some, like I said, some organizations working on creating real strategies we can follow right now that will increase our ability to deal with bacterial infections and decrease the impact we make on creating antibiotic-resistant strains of bacteria. Uh, the Center for Disease Control has a big report that details these sort of uh these sort of strategies. Yeah, they they just put it out I think uh, near the end of 2013. So yeah. this is really new fresh recent research. And and the four main uh uh I guess pathways that they suggest are pretty common sense oriented, right? I mean, it's not like you read something and think, "Oh, 
Yeah, that's, that's deep. That's deep. But it, but these are the basic is. things that if we follow these basic things, and by we, I mean human population as a whole, if we follow these basic, uh, these ba- basic strategies, then we can really reduce the impact of uh, antibiotic resistant strains of bacteria really wreaking havoc. So those four things are, number one, prevent infections and the spread of disease in the first place through immunization and promoting safe food handling practices, as well as hand washing and, you know, those basic uh, hygiene and, and cleanliness standards that you need, uh, particularly in places where you're preparing food or you're in a hospital, that kind of stuff, to really help minimize the chance of infection in the first place. So if you don't have to treat an infection, that's the best type. Absolutely. So then the second one is to create uh, systems for tracking antibiotic resistant infections so that experts can develop strategies to limit or eliminate those strains. So in other words, to, to identify when these are popping up and to really track their progress so that the people who are wor- are best at working on that particular strain can really concentrate on it. And the CDC is doing this already. Uh, sure, but it's really difficult to coordinate that kind of effort across countries and especially in less developed countries than say, the U.S. or Britain, where we've got pretty robust organizations that help us do this. So it's it's it has to be a global effort. Right. Then we have the the third uh, strategy, which is to improve the general use of antibiotics through education and practice. Now, this is what I was talking about before, about overusing uh, antibiotics and prescribing them for the wrong kinds of of treatments. Uh, in some cases, you may not need an antibiotic to fight off a bacterial infection. Our bodies actually do have a, an immune system that can fight off bacteria. It's just sometimes those infections can get so strong that our bodies would have trouble doing it on their own. And that's when antibiotics are really important. Sure. But it doesn't mean that every time you get a bacterial infection, you absolutely must have antibiotics. This is something that obviously you would have to come to a decision with your doctor. The doctor is going to be the expert on this. And, uh, you know, you just have to have that conversation and and express a concern about the use of antibiotics. If it's something that, you know, ask just an honest opinion, like in your medical opinion, is this the best course of action? Do I need this or am I going to recover without any undue discomfort to myself? I mean, because we're certainly not recommending that, that people suffer through illness right. unnecessarily. Or just stop taking antibiotics, because in some cases it is absolutely necessary. The The trick here is to try and make sure that it's it's necessary or needed in whatever case you are in. So, well, you know, I'll, I mean, the whole point is preserving their effectiveness for when they are necessary. Right, right, right. right. And, and, you know, there are some doctors who essentially have been you know, put through this 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 kind of difficult situation where their patients are demanding that they have some sort of treatment so that their symptoms go away because, you know, they don't want to be sick. That's perfectly understandable. Fair, right. Uh, and then the doctors are saying, well, antibiotics will knock it out. And, you know, on a case by case basis, it seems like it's perfectly harmless. Mm-hmm. It's when you take it all into the collective that you really start seeing this problem growing. Right. Right. Uh, I want to add a little separate addendum to to this point, which is. Antibacterial soap. Oh yeah. my goodness! I think yes. we should really reconsider our use of antibacterial soap, and that's not like an idea coming from me. This is something that uh, health professionals have been saying for a long time. Yeah, and actually, finally, in December of 2013, so just a few months ago, the FDA finally announced that manufacturers have to demonstrate that their products are uh, both one better than plain soap and water. 
Yep. Which scientific uh, research seems to indicate that they are yeah. not. I've never seen a trial that has said that antibacterial soap, with the exception of like in a hospital environment where it is very important. Yeah, yeah where you're using like industrial strength stuff yeah. in the first place. Sure. Yeah, has, yeah. has any benefit over regular soap and water? No. Yeah. So far, it's, the science seems to suggest that plain soap and water is just as good. Right. Mm-hmm. But also... It's uh, it has to be safe for human use and demonstrated to be safe for human use. Uh, so there's the big one of the big culprits is an antibacterial called uh, triclosan or triclosan. Triclosan, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So why why wouldn't these things be safe? Well, of course, one of the things is they could potentially be causing antibiotic resistant bacteria. We, we don't know that they are a cause of that, but I think that there it is highly suspected. And then the other thing is that they can potentially cause totally separate health problems like messing with hormone regulation in test animals. And the idea is, well, if they're doing this to rats and frogs and stuff, then there's they're a very chance. likely right. doing it to us. Mm-hmm. This this also leads to just you know, tangentially, but it's still within the same realm, uh, the idea of using antibiotics on animals like like livestock. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and this is part of the argument that a lot of... Um, the more of the more militant vegans and vegetarians, but also lots of people who are concerned about the treatment of animals in the farming industry mm-hmm. are, are concerned over because when you're keeping animals in a condition that necessitates the use of, of antibiotics in order to keep them healthy. A, that's not really good for for the animals, and and B, it's probably not good for us. It's either. probably not good for anybody. Yeah, there are a lot of different concerns, some of which are based on misinformation about using antibiotics with animals. In some cases, it's absolutely necessary if you want to try and save the life of an animal. Sure, but uh, there are a lot of of uh, I'll say there are some entities out there, whether they are landowners or or large corporations or whatever that use this broad spectrum approach to giving antibiotics to all the animals in order to uh, to make the best case for the animals ev- never to get sick. So right. it's not even that they're treating a specific disease. They're trying to prevent it from ever happening. So it's almost like they're using antibiotics as an immunization approach, which is not really... Not how they do. Uh, it's yeah. not a vaccine. It's not the same sort of thing. So uh, that kind of issue is really serious. And it's not necessarily necessarily true that you're going to end up consuming antibiotics and get those antibiotics in your system if you were to uh, have eat, you know to eat animals that had been treated that way. That's a possibility, but that's not the the issue that I'm specifically talking about. Is that this actually helps uh, create those create resistant those... strains exactly. of bacteria? Right. Exactly. So even if there is no chance that you are going to get these antibiotic uh, components into your body, and even if they do not actually cause cause uh, uh, hormone changes in animals. It's still creating antibacterial resistant strains of bacteria. So no matter what, it's not good. Okay, so anyway, those those are three of the four strategies. The fourth one is to develop new drugs and diagnostic tests to both battle and measure antibiotic resistant bacteria. So this is just this is that medicine side of things where you have a, a, a bacterial strain that resists some antibiotics. Perhaps the answer is to start to develop new antibiotics or combinations of antibiotics to use against that strain. Uh, some 
some study shows that using combinations of antibiotics decreases the chance that a bacterial strain will become resistant. Right. That's too complex. A lot of the terrific research that's kind of on the forefront right now. Yeah. So these are these are the things that we're really focusing on now. So it's not to abandon antibiotics entirely because they are very important. It's just finding the best way, the stewardship of antibiotics that is going to preserve their efficacy for as long as possible. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of a scary topic, but it's an important one. And it's one we really wanted to tackle because, I mean, it's been in the news. And like I said, there's a lot of misinformation out there, too. And it's important for people to 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 get active, to to look into this sort of stuff, to have those conversations with their healthcare providers. Yeah, make those personal choices that over over a population can absolutely make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, I, I realize that when it comes to health, we all want the best health care we can possibly get. And in a lot of cases, some of, well, I'll say some of us have probably in the past fallen victim to the more is better approach. That's not always the case. That's kind of the, the, the little, uh, uh, moral of the story, I think, and here. But anyway, uh, now that we kind of wrapped up that discussion, I just want to invite all of you guys out there listening to join in. Let us know what you think. Tell us, uh, your thoughts on this or give us suggestions for things that you want to hear about. Stuff, you know, that's, you know, future oriented that you're really excited about and we've never talked about. Let us know. We'll totally tackle that topic. Uh, you can email us. Our address is fwthinking at discovery.com. Or you can drop us a line on one of the many social networking sites that we gad about on. That would include Google+, Twitter, and Facebook. We have the handle fwthinking at all of those. And don't forget, go to fwthinking.com to check out all the videos, the blog posts, the other podcasts. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff there that's really cool. I think you're really going to love it. So go check that out. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and Logic. Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love and Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love and Logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com.